Hello and welcome to Wineskins, a program featuring reflections on the lives of the saints and the sacred scriptures, along with a variety of topics and issues from a Catholic perspective. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda. Our show is sponsored by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our show today, I will interview again Tony Ignazi in part two from his First Friday Club presentation. We will also hear more about the life of St. Peregrine in our series on healing saints and the readings for this 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time. That and more on Wineskins. In our current issue today, we will hear from Joan Lawson. Joining me again is Joan Lawson, who is the Chancellor of the Diocese, but also serves as the Diocesan Archivist. Welcome back to Wineskins. Thank you. Nice to be here. You know, in your job as the Archivist you've had for a while now, you've encountered different parishes, different worship sites that have closed, different realities within this life of the local church. As the archivist, what have you found most surprising in your work so far? Well, I think the variety of ways in which records are kept or not kept maybe in in parishes. And that's something in future I'd like to do some outreach about it. Where are the best ways to keep records and the best places. Basements are not good places to keep records. So, you know, sometimes I've been surprised by the conditions things are kept in. So that sounds negative, but on the positive side, it's wonderful to see materials from the founding of a parish and, and, you know, to see the handprints of people who came together, sometimes newly immigrated from another country and brought their limited resources together to found a faith community. And that's really inspiring. You know, it's interesting as you were talking, what comes to my mind is how rich our history is, not only as the church, but also as individuals, also as communities and parishes. And sometimes we've discovered along the way that those get kind of lost for various reasons, whether a a worship site closes or a community no longer exists because of attrition, whatever the, the reason is. Why is it important for us to kind of hold on to part of that history, to have like one foot planted in that, but the other one kind of moving along, making new history and new memories? It's important to honor the contributions of individuals and communities of the past and to really remember their humanity, that, you know, famous people can become marble figures and they never were made of marble in their life. And non-famous people can simply be forgotten, forgetting how much just the small, everyday faithfulness and discipleship of people in the past really contributed to uh, what they became. And even if the community came to its completion, it was part of the whole story. So preserving all that reminds us of how we can move forward and that nothing can really prevent us from moving forward. We know as diocesan archivists that this is really a relatively new position within our own diocese. What 
is some of the projected hopes and desires for your particular department as the archivist down the road? What can we look forward to? Well, we are always trying to collect, preserve, and make available the resources, but that make available part is something we'd really like to expand so that we would have a public space, and it would be wonderful if we could have one of our worship spaces that's no longer being used, if we could have a public space where people can do their research, where we can have exhibits that tell our story as a diocese, as individuals, as community, and as a whole diocese, to have a public space where our story fits in with the larger story of the whole area. In about 20 years, we're going to be celebrating our 100th anniversary as a diocese. So as you work towards that, what would be some of the hopes, whether or not you and I are around, I don't know, but what would be some of the hopes of the diocese in celebration of that centennial? Oh, that we could really honor all that's happened in that 100 years and highlight the contributions of individuals and as us all together as people of faith in what the area is to show our relevance and our importance in our history and in our presence so that we can really show the joy of who we have been, who we are, and who we hope to be. The folks that are with us, how can they help as a parishioner or as a parish? What can they do to help you in your job? Oh, they can keep their eye out for something that somebody might say, oh, that's that's from 50 years ago. Nobody cares about that. Throw it away. <laughs> you know, give me a call and say, hey, is this, is this something you'd be interested? Because I think this is part of our history. Would you be able to collect and preserve that? And also just to let people know that we do preserve. We honor the history of all the communities, whether they're still in operation or whether they've come to completion. And just keep your eye out, keep your ears open, and keep the memory alive. Well, Joan Lawson, an archivist, but also chancellor of the diocese, thank you for the work that you do to preserve the history of this diocese, but also to lift that up in celebration of who we are as a microcosm of the greater church, but also as uh, the community here in the Diocese of Youngstown celebrating our membership as the body of Christ. Thank, Thank you. you. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. St. Peregrine is a patron of cancer patients. To tell us more about this holy man is Megan Farrell. She is a communication specialist for the Diocese of Youngstown. Peregrini Laziosi's conversion came about in the middle of a street brawl. He struck a priest, St. Philip Benizi, hard across the face. In response, Philip turned the other cheek, waiting for another blow. Peregrini's rage turned to shame. He joined St. Philip's religious order and became a Servite priest. For many years, he suffered from an acute pain in his right leg that was found to be cancer. Peregrini was born of a wealthy family in Italy in 1260. As a youth, he was active in politics as a member of the anti-papal party. After his altercation and subsequent conversion to Catholicism, he had a vision of the Blessed Virgin Mary which caused him to enter the religious community of the Servites. It is believed that he never allowed himself to sit down for 30 years as far as possible, observing silence and solitude. Sometime later, Peregrini was sent to found a new house for the Servite order. 
an ideal priest, he had a reputation for fervent preaching and being a good confessor. When he was afflicted with cancer of the foot, amputation was decided upon, and he spent the night before the operation in prayer. The following morning, he was completely cured. This miracle caused his reputation to become widespread. He died in 1345 at the age of 85 and was canonized by Pope Benedict XIII in 1726. St. Peregrini, like St. Paul, was in open defiance of the church as a youth. Once given the grace of conversion, he became one of the great saints of his time. His great fervor and qualities as a confessor brought many back to the true faith. Afflicted with cancer, Peregrini turned to God and was richly rewarded for his faith, enabling him over many years to lead others to the truth. Let us pray. Saint Peregrini, whom the Holy Church has declared patron of those suffering from cancer, we ask your help for those suffering from that disease. Ask God to relieve them of their suffering and sickness, if it be God's holy will. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. For Wineskins, this is Megan Farrell. With me again is Tony Agnesi, who was recently with our First Friday Club, and you're back on Wineskins, and it's a pleasure to have you back. God, it's great to be back, Father Jim. You know, the last time you were here last week, we were talking about something that really resonated with me, that whole idea of being invited and being welcomed. It brought to me an image in the life of Jesus, that image of where there was the paralyzed man on the mat, and these people wanted to bring him to Jesus. And there was nobody to do that. There was no way to get to Jesus. And we had these four people take off roofs, tile roofs, pick up this mat, and lower him down. If those people holding the mat didn't do that, this man would have never been healed. Mm -hmm. So how often in our lives do we not only invite people to pick up the mat, but we ourselves take a corner of that mat? Mm -hmm. How often do we do that or don't do that? You know, in my second book, I talk about a, a joyful service, and uh, I try to separate the difference between happiness and joy. You know, I'm happy when the Cleveland Guardians win. I'm sad when they lose. I'm happy when the Browns win. I'm sad when they lose. That's a fleeting thing. And over the course of a day, you're happy and sad many times. Joy comes from above. Right. And the greatest source of joy that I know is serving others. There is just a joy that comes from doing that. And those four people that drop that man to Jesus, those four people are the conduit to which Jesus does the healing. But the greatest part of that story is when they get him there, Jesus lays hands on him and says, by your faith, you've been saved. And they're going, saved? We, we, we were kind of hoping for a, mm -hmm. hoping for a mm -hmm. cure here, which he does as well. Yeah. I always ask the question, what's more important, to be saved or to be cured? You know, sure. So mm -hmm. Jesus did both in that mm -hmm. interaction. Had they not lifted off roof shingles and dropped him in, that would have mm -hmm. never happened. I think people need to be invited into right. ministry. And when I say invited, a lot of people, like we, we talked last week, they're a little shy. They don't think they have what it takes mm -hmm. to do it. But if you invite them in and then welcome them, help them, 
bring them up to speed, teach them, ask them to come back, say that we enjoyed having you here. I think you see a big difference in that. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean it as an indictment, but we don't often do that where we give lip service to it, but don't do it as we should. As a really Catholic evangelist in your ministry of radio broadcast, what has been some of your greatest joys over these almost 60 years that you have seen and witnessed that has not only energized you, but given you life? Oh, it's, there's just been so many, Father. I, uh, last night, I spoke to a group called Steadfast Fathers. Mm. It's at a pregnancy center at the Embrace Clinic and Care Center. What we would notice, a man would bring his uh, pregnant girlfriend there, and she would come in to get services, whether it be counseling, testing, whatever, uh, get formula diapers and he'd sit in the garden smoke cigarettes and listen to the radio well a few of the guys said let's grab him and bring him inside and talk about manning up and talking Mm -hmm. about fatherhood and the importance of fatherhood one in four children in the united states is growing up without a father in their household one in four it's going to be 50 percent in the next two generations in the black community it's 80 percent grew up without a father in their house. So when I grew up in the 50s, every black man had a suit and tie on and took his family to the AME church or the Baptist church or whatever in our neighborhood on the east side here Mm -hmm. in Youngstown. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. I think I see things in our ministry that happen every day, the joy of people coming to the faith. I talked about last night a young black man about the early 50s who used to come to St. Bernard's in uh, in Akron. Friday evening, we would feed people and give them clothing, mostly homeless people, and, and toilet paper and things that they needed. This guy, he came and helped us, and I used to drive him home. He had three things he wanted to do. He wanted to find a job. He wanted to pick up a truck. He uh, wanted to have a place to live, and he wanted to be Catholic. Mm-hmm. I was at a movie theater. Guy sweeping popcorn into the little uh, thing called my name, and it was him. And he came over, and he hugged me, and he said, I got this job, and I got a little pickup truck. And on Easter Sunday, I became a Catholic. And there's just so many of those stories that mm-hmm. I'll share with people that just let you know that if you involve yourself mm-hmm. and you do things, the joy that you get from serving others Mm -hmm. is a joy unlike any happiness. It's pure joy. It's from above. Mm -hmm. And there's an infinite source of God's grace waiting for us to the asking. Which brings me to my question about your blog. Mm -hmm. Your blog is finding God's grace in everyday life. Yes. How important is that? Because it's so difficult with all of the push and pulls, the complexity of our society to actually find that. Where do we start? I think we start by, you know, uh, St. Paul tells us to pray continuously. Well, how do you do that? You're not on your knees all day. It's to invite Jesus into your life. It's to have a conversation with Jesus during the course of the day. Father Jay, if you and I are friends, we want to talk to each other. I want to talk to Jesus. So if I'm driving and I, uh, there's a problem that come up, I talk to Jesus about it. I am exactly one rosary from work. Mm. And so when I get in the car and I pray a rosary and get to work, you'd be surprised how good I do at work. It calms me. It brings me to a better understanding. Mm -hmm. It makes me more attentive to the people around me. Mm -hmm. There's just enormous moments where we can have conversations with our Lord. It doesn't have to be a prayer for an hour on our knees. It could be just a conversation that's maybe 30 Mm -hmm. seconds in the car. I prayed as I left the driveway this morning for safe travels to Youngstown. I prayed to get around those bad intersections that happen in the central interchange in Akron, all of that. I Mm -hmm. talked to Jesus all the way here to Youngstown for this interview today. You know, when we talk about having the Lord present in our life, there's so many people that for whatever reason don't feel worthy enough to have him enter. How can we break that down? Because Mm -hmm. at some point 
we're all children of God. We all have to let him in. We're all worthy. We're all worthy of the presence of God. In jail ministry, some people think that their sin is so large that God won't hear it. We have a God that is all-powerful and all-healing, and all we have to do is ask him for forgiveness, and he will bring it to us. There's no sin, only one sin, that you can commit that God can't forgive, and that's the sin you never ask for forgiveness for, sin against the Holy Spirit. We, now the judge may not, <laughs> may not forgive you, but our Lord will forgive mm -hmm. you. You'd be surprised how that changes things for people when they understand that they are worthy of God's mm -hmm. love, that we're mm -hmm. all children of God. Well, Tony Agnesi, it's such a pleasure to have you on Wineskins. I thank you for your First Friday Club presentation, for your passion, for your ministry, and for the many years that you have given to God in this. And we thank you for that. But also we pray for you. And we ask that the Lord continue to bless you, your family, your loved ones, with health, with happiness, and also with God's presence. Thank you, Father. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. To receive more information and to listen to Wineskins, visit the website www.catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. By the time we can walk, each of us yearns for the joy that comes from being able to do for ourselves. Church World Service believes that being self-reliant is a joy everyone should share. So around the block or around the world, share the joy. Church World Service. 33 million Americans have descended into poverty. And as their futures fall, so does our nations. Our song today is by Vince Ambrosetti. It is from his CD entitled, I Will Sing.
Our scripture reflections for this 21st Sunday in Ordinary Time will be by Deacon Ed Laubacher. He is from St. Paul Church in North Canton. Our custodian at school where I teach has to carry around one of those big clumps of keys. You know what I'm talking about, right? They hang from one of the loops on his belt. and It's like this big spring-like thing with about 150 different keys on it. They are different colors, different shapes, different lengths, but they still all look a lot alike. I don't know how he differentiates between them all, but he always seems to know which one to use in every situation. Oh sure, it can be a big deal to be the one who has access to everything. It can give a person a sense of power, of privilege, of authority, but it also comes with a lot of responsibility. Our custodian has people asking him for access to areas quite often. This means he has to go with them and let them in various offices or classrooms. I've needed his help a whole lot of times when I've lost mine or forgotten them. However, it's also important to remember that our custodian does not have all of this authority on his own. Our administrators gave it to him, and he shares these responsibilities. Also, do notice that This idea of having the keys to make decisions and laws existed far into the Old Testament days. In our first reading, we read how 
Shebna had made some type of poor choice, and the Lord was determined he was no longer fit to lead the kingdom of the Israelites. Therefore, Eliakim would soon have the authority of the keys of the kingdom. In a similar manner, while Christ bestows this authority of keys on Peter, of course, our church believes this authority has been passed down by succession through the papal office. Yet our popes do not make most important decisions on their own. All of our popes have the entire college of bishops to rely on for opinions and direction, as well as other trusted friends and advisors. But we all have our own little kingdom or fiefdoms. We all have areas where we are the ruler or king or the person in charge. How are you doing as ruler? Perhaps your kingdom is your household, your family, or maybe it is a group or team at the office or work. Your fiefdom could be a team you are on at school, your classroom, or maybe it is your parents who are under your care. Please consider how you have been doing as the one in charge of your realm. Of course, we do not have the power or authority to bind or loose things in heaven, as Peter and the succeeding popes do. However, we do have the power to bind people up with our words and our actions. We can inhibit their growth, destroy their confidence, ruin their self-esteem. How we treat people may have such incredible impact on not only a day here and there, but over the long haul. We can also loosen those burdens and let them fall away. We can extend grace and mercy. We can extend confidence and hope. We can share the freedom and liberation that only comes from a God who loves us beyond all means and desires nothing more than for us to be with Him. We are mirrors whose duty it is to reflect the love of Christ. These are the keys that we all have access to, given to us to loosen the downtrodden and bind up the stumbling, all to give glory to God. For Wineskins, I'm Deacon Ed Laubacher. You and I do not know everything there is to know, but if we follow the truth that we have found in Jesus Christ, we will discover more truth beyond. It is like carrying a lantern on a dark night. The area of illumination is small, but if you will walk as far as you can see, you will find that the light keeps moving on ahead of you. Wineskins is made possible by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. The program is produced by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda, wishing you a blessed Sunday and a safe week. have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought uh, I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races, 
all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to PovertyUSA.org today, because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.